I would be curious to know, Jordan, like, when we say waves of coffee, of course, like, not, that's not, like, that's a fairly new phenomenon, like, waves of coffee, no. to some to some degree, because if you think about it this way, it's one of those things where if you, if we terminology it as a wave, okay, there's different cycles, like, clearly there's a beginning of a wave and an end of a wave. Yeah. Okay. The, the line, though, is hard to tell, because if you think about it this way, where could you even see, like, Starbucks, for example, as being, like, first or second wave, right? And then, they're, but now they're doing, like, micro-roasts. They yeah. have reserve. Well, it, it's, it, coffee's so young, so, yeah. like, the start, start and end points of those waves has been blurred because yeah. coffee's so young. And it's progressing so rapidly via yeah. technology. Like, the shit that we have automated now, like, there's roasters that emit zero emissions. Yeah. Like, what? They just basically roast and consume all the smoke and stuff that they would normally put out? Like, insane. Yeah. You can have a roaster right here in the corner of my kitchen and, and I can roast fine. specialty grade coffee. Yeah. Um, so I think technology has definitely advanced so fast, as has the rest of society, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's screwed with waves. Um, but in terms of Starbucks, Starbucks planted themselves because they had a foundational idea. They planted themselves right at the cusp of second wave coffee. Yeah. And as they grew and grew and grew within second wave coffee and helped progress second wave coffee to the point that there's a third wave, they knew that they had to stay rooted in that because they built the entire brand on it. Like that's what people identify it with. That's what they come for. Um, But they know that there is a bigger demand for third wave coffee. And so they know that they would be foolish, especially from an investor standpoint, not to at least dip their toes in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember years ago reading an article about how they were closing uh, 10,000 stores across the U.S. Yeah. And I was like, what? 10,000 stores? But they're opening thousands of roasting locations so that people can interact, see that more, and also try different coffees there. And they're opening uh, more of the reserve locations to be able to serve coffee on a higher level. Yeah. It, it's demand. They're feeding into the demand. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So they're not getting rid of their old stuff. They're just diverting some of their resources to, to what start. the market share is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the same as, dude, like, beers. We were talking yeah. about beers, you know, all the beer, big brand beers, like, the whole um, Bush, like, brand. Yeah, I forget you know, the name of it, Bush yeah, or something. Uh, is basically, you know, creating micro breweries, or at least, like, you have to think, like, seasonality, mm-hmm. like, brews are starting to just, because micro breweries have gotten so much of their consumption, you know, that well, they have to start adapting. Think about hard seltzer. Yeah. Hard seltzer mm-hmm. is Budweiser's making plans. Yeah, Budweiser's yeah. new. Everyone, yeah. because again, where the money goes, the big companies will follow. Okay. Yep. You know, I think that's why they're opening a lot of microbreweries. When you think about it, like as an individual, I like to, I like to to kind of stay in my lane. I like to stick to like what I like, and I don't want to deviate from that anymore. If Target started branching out into smaller targets and like were more mom and pa but could do everything that Target <laughs> could, I'd be down for it. Yeah. You know, and that's what Budweiser is trying to do and bigger companies yeah. like that trying to do with other microbreweries is they yeah. know that people latch on to brands and the yeah. image and what they do. They're just trying to increase how often people do that. Because like I wouldn't want to be like, oh, Budweiser is my jam. Like everyone can get Budweiser. It's not that special. It's yeah. so widely appropriated. So I would definitely latch onto something smaller. And I think... Companies are finally paying attention to that stuff. Yeah, but it's one of those things, though, again, like, kind of going back to waves, is just, like, so we're saying Starbucks is going and diverting some resources. Mm -hmm. Okay, would you say, though, like, the Starbucks single-origin, okay, reserve is third-wave coffee? 
It's tough. I actually haven't tried it, so that would be a tough thing to say. Maybe um, express, I think. But you know, like when you, I think third wave coffee is defined by also being specialty coffee, and for it to be specialty coffee, it has to score eighty points or above on the hundred scale. So does that coffee do that? I think that's a bad and outdated system to define specialty coffee in general. I was about to say. Um, but I guess that's the question you have yeah. to ask: Is that point bigger than 80, 80 points? But you related third wave coffee. Strictly to taste? Well, no, I relate third wave coffee to specialty coffee. I think first and yeah. foremost, third okay. wave coffee is using the highest I just grade. To make that dif- yeah. differential because it's not. You it know starts there. I mean, yeah. obviously, you want to level up all the other things in specialty or I mean, in third wave coffee. Yeah. So, like the barista experience needs yeah. to be born. They need better training and better knowledge and mm-hmm. can better communicate and serve people yeah you need better product aka using specialty grade coffee mm-hmm. you need better equipment aka not using fully automatic machines but having a little more control over it per mm-hmm. shot per yeah. yeah per coffee um so yeah i think um i don't know i mean waves can continue on we've seen waves in every other industry yeah particularly the ones that are most similar to us in wine and um and beer and yeah. in the craft cocktail slash bar bartending yep. scene mm-hmm. so um, now I think we're progressing so much faster because of technology. Yeah. Um, and because I feel like coffee was such an outdated thing for so long. Like how long did we sit in what second wave culture was like 30, 40 years? Like, I mean, since diner coffee, like yeah. second wave coffee really dragged itself out all the way mm-hmm. to the point of like mom, pa shops, creating stuff in house and keeping things fresh, roasting coffee light. But, but the, that's the, but I'm also kind of say is like, Dude, when we say that though, waves of coffee, mm-hmm. dude, you look, that's specifically to US though. Yeah. Because you got to think, dude, Australia has been crushing coffee for how long? And like other parts of the world has, have developed further past. Like if you really think yeah. Starbucks, the traditional Italian, you know, espresso cafes, those, they've been serving espresso drinks and espresso based drinks for how long? Yeah. That's, that's why they're called a traditional, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, what did Starbucks bring to America? Espresso cafes to yeah. start. Mm-hmm. So that second wave, if we're saying that serving espresso cafes is the start, specifically second wave for America, then yeah, yeah, it's been like that. For sure. I think, I think just serving coffee on an elevated level because first wave is you go to a diner, like, like a Denny's, and they, they're using Folgers in the back, and they brew Folgers, and they bring out this watery pot of coffee, and you know, just mm-hmm. top you off, and you drink this thin brown liquid that yeah. gives you a little bit of a buzz. That's first wave. Yeah. So I think it was very easy to make the jump from first to second wave. They just yeah, did a little, little bit of intention, and it was yeah. there. You know, I don't even think before then there were such things as coffee shops. I think in first wave coffee, what you saw was that it was just pure commodity. Mm-hmm. So like you can go to a gas station and get it there. Yep. You're at a bookstore and you can get it there. Like anywhere you could buy coffee because it was just supplementary to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, which it still kind of can be in my opinion. But um, yeah, I am curious to see like when we stop doing waves and when we just kind of like reach a point of enlightenment. Like is there a cap for coffee in other industries like us? Like, where do we hit it where we're like, we really just can't improve this anymore. It's, like, perfect. Well, and uh, I don't know forever because you have to think human preferences change. But there's so, a, because there's, you change. can only maximize so much on coffee. Like, it's always going to be this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, how, how high can you really take it before you're modifying it where it's, like, originating? Well, I'd say this is, like, think about wine industry. Do you think the wine industry has reached its peak? No, I think natural wine is still coming in as, like, 
the, the, the main way to consume wine. I think that's like what that next wave is and yeah. that almost being like a baseline and everything else being like, oh, well, this is just not really what we do anymore because this is so much better for so many reasons. Um, I think coffee could potentially get to that way. But like I said, then it comes down to taste and preference. Yeah. And you can do so much with it that taste and preference will, you know, always play a factor. I think so. the problem is I think just innovation in itself is so destructive to traditions past that yeah. that's why I'm saying I don't think there there is such thing as a cap. Because as much as we could say we fully know everything we're ever going to know about a coffee, like mm-hmm. a coffee bean itself, what we can extract from it, everything, all it takes is a destructive innovation in technology to then push us past what we're capable of doing right. to open up new doors. So 100%, like, do I think like, yeah, we've been kind of reaching a plateau for example not peak i think coffee industry as much as like we're doing so many crazy different things in regards to what i'm seeing in regards to the new innovations like even going as far as grinders machines yeah how to brew it we to some degree in my opinion are reaching a plateau we're slowly petering out in regards we're still going up we're still innovating i'm not saying we're not i'm just saying i could see us slowing down just because what people are doing with coffee is slowly becoming similar across the boards yeah and that's all I'm saying by a plateau. It's just like we're each of us we're waiting for the next person to take it that much further. Mm-hmm. You know, besides just like okay, we just found a new process. Yeah. You know. Well, I think um, I don't know. It's tough. There's we're gonna go through these cycles that are gonna be positive and detrimental to the coffee industry as a whole. Like I think a lot of things will need to happen to probably reach a fourth wave and just have a higher appreciation for it. Yeah. And I think that's stuff that's also got to change on a societal level. Yeah, like 100%. I think one of the reasons why we've been able to break into third wave coffee and it becomes such a trend and continue you know, booming is because our, our world is run by younger people who have more appreciation for things yeah. and a different perspective than older generations. And I think as we systematically change how we operate as a society, as a country, and all those bigger things, that will have trickle-down effects on other stuff. So, like, you see more and more culture of people, you know, tipping and being respectful to service workers and appreciating your barista and stuff like that. That's happened because of our younger generation coming into more of a relevance or more of a power, I feel. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I think that's going to be really huge. Yeah. Fourth wave to me is the complete innovation of the customer experience rather than the coffee itself for me it's revolutionizing how we serve coffee and that experience itself rather than the actual product because i agree you know there's only so much as of we know right now to do with a coffee bean right so that's why i think it always comes down to like gastronomy pushing the boundaries of what coffee can be re like you know totally a new perspective of what coffee is yeah but I think it will be multiple things. Like yeah, hundred. I, I think I think that. there's multiple things that essentially level up, and it, once that level up uh, becomes consistent across the board, that's when you break into the fourth wave. Yeah. So like Starbucks, what they did, like I said, it was easy for them to break into a second wave because all they had to do was just open coffee shops where all they were doing is selling Simple. coffee. Mm-hmm. Nobody was just doing just that, right? So now in the third wave, we've taken a look at everything that Starbucks done in, in the second wave industry, and we do it better. And that's what third wave is. We're serving higher quality coffee. We're educating our baristas and staff more to serve better. Um, We are worried more about customer experience. So it's not just transactional based. You don't just buy, leave. You know, it's like we talk, we set you on a journey. 
There's um, transparency and sourcing and responsible sourcing. That's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Quality of ingredients, everything outside of coffee, like the milks that we use, the you know how those products are created, and then uh, I think sustainability, like mm-hmm. how sustainable are we? Like we use paper and plastic all yeah. the time. Like mm-hmm. so, I think when all those things improve their processes and their experience to essentially another level and across the board everything is like that's that's what that fourth wave is yeah so i think customer experience is a huge one in there because that's something that third wave has always lacked like in order for us to really like elevate third wave we need the customer experience to be better because we focus on everything else yeah focus on equipment focus on processes we focus on crazy coffees Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's the one thing that we're still lacking yeah well, to kind of bring in because the problem the is, most philosophical well, thing you could talk yeah, about. Yeah, I know, coffee. I know, is third wave like they, the waves yeah. of coffee. I mean, that just encompasses so much. Mm-hmm. It, it's it is so big, and it's a weird thing to like really. You're, come, you're, come you're predicting with, the yeah. market. Yeah, yeah, you're basically sitting here yeah. like we're we're stockbrokers, and yeah. like this is where the next thirty points is gonna be. Yeah, in fourth wave. So. Like, because no one knows, and that's the whole point. No yeah. one knows until it happens, and then you're like, wow, looking back on it, yeah, I was definitely a wave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could we could be in that in that transition right now as we and speak, the, and, and not we won't even know, know until it. it's completed. Yeah, or to see till we fact, figure out where we are. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, to kind of go. To a more approachable topic, <laughs> I think something that's way more approachable slash like because again, I could talk ways with you all day. Yeah, it's it is in one aspect of it. Okay, that we talked about is appreciation. Okay, appreciating coffee. I think mm-hmm. the fact that people are taking the time, like Jordan, for example, you said you made a coffee, a pour over. Mm-hmm. Okay, that whole process takes you how long? Uh. Three to four and a half minutes or so. Four and a half minutes. And or at least to making, I say the whole entire process. Maybe yeah, start to finish. Start like to finish. Prep. Probably like ten minutes. Or yeah. So. Ten mm-hmm. minutes. Okay. Ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I think ten minutes for somebody to sit there and make a coffee is already a step towards appreciating coffee. Mm-hmm. Versus, uh, DM, have you ever used a Keurig? Or Mister Coffee Machine? I have one. Yeah. I have one just to try out the, yeah. the curiosity. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah how, I bought it. <laughs> how long does it take you to make that? It's so frustrating though. Like sometimes it takes me five <laughs> minutes. You, how do I start this? Yeah, no, it's, yeah. yeah. I, I, I got run. one for a gift years and years ago yeah. before I was professionally in the coffee. I got it from an ex-girlfriend. And yeah, you pull, pull open a drawer or wherever you have your pods. You put that thing in, you turn <laughs> it on, 30 seconds, it's ready to make your coffee. It makes it in run, a though. third of that time. Yeah. And you've got a hot cup of liquid. It's, yeah. it's, it's scary yeah. how fast and efficient it is. Yeah, yeah, efficient, you know, efficient, but appreciating it sure. yeah. to take something to truly like, I don't think if somebody would go look at an art piece that took 10 seconds to make, or like, mm-hmm. let's say, let's say someone like same time of a Keurig, you know, took like 30 seconds to make and they try to sell it for 750 bucks. That's yeah. a, that's a tough one to say you appreciated the process, like you right. appreciate art, mm-hmm. you know, but to go and take 10 minutes of your day, okay? You, and, and it's not just 10 minutes. It's also like you taking the time to go get that coffee that you're about to brew. Mm-hmm. Buying and sourcing Buying and sourcing, having a process, setting it up, yeah. yeah. That's That in itself is appreciation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fascinating. Like before, what were you, how were you brewing your coffee at home? Um, yeah, a Keurig a Keurig. little bit. And also, I, I did acquire a little crappy espresso machine from one of my old co-workers, which 
actually open up the doors to try more espresso beans and come to find out that I can't really dial in on this and on this espresso machine so I was just kind of getting like just, just like yeah so early brown on like water. trying to help Jordan like we would talk about coffee and I had never seen his espresso machine never touched it or used it so I had no idea like condition cleanliness like all yeah. these things that we know as a professional like yeah. barista right mm-hmm. and so I'm just trying to always navigate anytime I see him in these small intervals like okay how is your coffee going at home like what yeah. did it taste like and we even talked about, oh, he doesn't have a grinder. I'm like, shit, you don't have a grinder? How are you going to do espresso at home? Yeah, yeah. So I, was, I was just getting these beans ground at Scout Coffee or whatever place I was getting. So pre-ground stuff and then... Hoping it works. And, and then so like showing him how to oh, dial in at the shop is like, wow, yeah. this is why it's a struggle. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that reminds me of like, I have a 7C, like somebody just come in like, I want my espresso, like bean for espresso. So they asked me to grind it. Mm-hmm. For espresso, I'm like, but I'm letting you know, I don't know your machine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, what I've learned is yeah. like, again, barrier to entry. We know a customer doesn't know that, though. Yeah. So, like, do you even bother telling them that? Do you just go ahead and, like, grind it to your best judgment and using your yeah. best knowledge? Yeah. Maybe I ask for some information. They're like, oh, uh, can you grind this for espresso? I'm like, oh, what do you, you, you have espresso at home? Cool. How do you, how do you brew it? Oh, mocha pot. Okay, now I know how fine I need yeah. to go. Yeah. Oh, you have an espresso machine at home. What is it? Oh, I have the new Laramazoko Mini. Oh, you have that. You don't have a grinder for that? Like You know what I do? Yeah. You know what I do? It, you take beans that are like not of, from their bag. Never take it from their bag. You want to make sure they're getting every bean that they are buying, of course. But right. you go throw it to what you think it is. Just throw a few beans. Because we always have extra beans. Throw it through the grinder. Have them look at it. Is this what you've used before ah but people are not educated but, but, in that. No, yeah. but the thing is they know at least the consistency yeah because they buy it mm-hmm. they buy probably prepackaged from the store right right yeah. and if that's what they've been using on their machine then i know to at least to some degree it will run through their machine yeah. well because here's here's the problem it's too though. hard it's too hard to tell i mean those it those is, beans yeah. are how old it's and, it's it's impossible yeah. and like i wish we could just get away from that because it's never yeah. going to work out in our favor yeah. or even the customer's favor so like yeah. when when someone does ask me to grind their coffee for espresso i'm instantly defeated because you can't communicate all that information mm. before you, you know grind mm-hmm. their coffee like it's just a never-ending conf- you know conversation so like you just do it mm-hmm. you know because you want to serve the guests and that's what yeah. they need um but like they just because they may be buying trader joe's pre-ground coffee and be getting coffee out of that doesn't mean that they are like familiar with it Mm -hmm. and you could grind it in a way that actually allows them to produce better coffee accidentally and that could be the game changer for them you know so like you just never know i feel like it's a losing battle all the way around like i've thought about that so many different times like how do i approach this to the best way possible and it's just like there's really no right answer you're gonna lose no matter what you have to figure it out yourself yeah, that uh, would be the best I just way. Just I'm yeah. like just letting you know it's gonna be run fast. If it's not like like fine up, but mm. hey, come back. If it doesn't yeah. run that good, I, I, I'll fix it. The only <laughs> thing that I think I've figured out is that I've tried to convince customers. Hey, look, I'm gonna grind half your bag of coffee at this. Yeah. Go home and try it, and if if it works, like if you're able to brew it the way you like, it tastes good. Then come back and bring the other half, and I'll grind it for you. You're you're gonna come back to buy a cup yourself or buy another yeah. bag, right? So I've always tried that, so at least it doesn't feel as bad. Like, I would love to be like, okay, I'm going to grind just enough for a shot, so take it home and then come back and tell me if that's right. Like, yeah. we can't fine-tune it, so you got to meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean... It's tough. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's... Whoa, dude, 
Because you're you're trying to help somebody where you're it's like closing your eyes and telling somebody directions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's just impossible. It's yeah. a task without having your senses, without knowing some knowledge. So we, we know that though. We know it's impossible to get it yeah. perfect. How do we get it as close to perfect as we can? Oh, with as little friction as possible and as oh. little like difficulty for the guest. I feel like the way you helped me out yeah. though is just like get consistency of the ground. You know, like you mm-hmm. want it as close to you said like sand or like yeah salt like table salt too. yeah yeah table salt and visually if you grind a little beans that's showing them that's where I it, it's, it's if they if they pay attention to that yeah it's mm-hmm. so like Jordan might like like oh but how often do you actually pick up beans and feel it in your hand and be like is this the right consistency visually though yeah it's just yeah. visual I usually chew a lot of beans too because <laughs> well, I was gonna say <laughs> you know what's funny though is you can do all that you can go through these process. And again, if the person's not even paying attention, they're also going to just say yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. This is what I recommend. Does it look, and also do your beans kind of look like this anyways? And then they're going to be like, yeah. And chances are, hopefully, like, they have at least enough knowledge of, Mm -hmm. wow, this is running really fast. I'm going to click it off. Or I'm saying hopefully. Mm. Or like, this is running way slower. I'm just going to keep it going. Well, they probably do what most baristas do when they pay attention to volume. Yeah. They don't actually weigh things, right? They're like, oh, does it fill up my cup? Okay, done. And then they're going to evaluate the coffee on that amount. And I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this because probably. I'm going to feel I'm, I have, <laughs> so I live with two guys and um, they're my roommates. Love them to death. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to have this guy on my podcast. So I, I, hope he, I hope he forgives me. <laughs> but basically he like, they don't use a scale for their espresso yeah. and hundred percent these guys and the guy I'm talking about specifically is into coffee a hundred thousand percent. Like, and he does way more research and, like, really going the extra mile in regards to, like, they even bought a bullet roaster mm-hmm. and started roasting themselves okay. to really kind of get themselves throughout the process to fully understand it. Yeah. But I told him the two most important things, like, to kind of start doing to kind of help out you brewing and, like, really extracting some good shots for yourselves is weighing out, okay, the your input to at least create some sort of, you know, how much is going in because if you keep grinding all these different beans and you're just only going by visual like sweep of the portafilter itself you know the basket it's never accurate it's never going to be accurate enough Mm -hmm. and i told him like you know the only way you're really going to try to achieve like some bit of consistency just consistency i'm not saying you're going to be able to get through the best shot of your life because then there's uh, so many other elements but just to achieve some consistency so you can start having a little bit more control of adjusting your espresso. Correct. So you got to know what tastes bad to you and what tastes good. And the only way you can do that is by achieving consistency. Mm -hmm. To achieve consistency, you've got to control your variables. And weight is always going to be a variable. And, like, I mean, the number of times I've worked in a shop where they're like, oh, we don't measure, we just, you know, eyeball it. I'm like, oh, you're never going to have a consistent experience. Like, how do you know when it's good and how do you know when it's bad? Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, with the least amount of friction as possible, people have kitchen scales, people have scales, yeah. you know, weight, yeah. okay? The second thing that everybody has with the least amount of friction as possible, timer, time. Just try to control two variables, yeah. get them controlled. That's it. That, that's like the only thing I could tell them. And again, it's, it's extra steps and there's the lack of appreciation in those respects. Well, it, I don't know if it's like appreciation. It sounds like they just don't have the same value in the scale. So then, like, my goal as a barista would be like, okay, let me use a scale and let me show you what you could potentially get out of it. Like, when you get that visceral representation of, 
Here's when you pull a shot with your eyes closed. Here's when you pull a shot paying attention. Here's when you pull a shot using science and oh, numbers, taste right? It, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Always they'll be like they'll be like it, they have to make the decision because I've encountered a lot of customers who be like, I'll never measure it. I'm just going to use scoops. Like they don't care. Yeah. They know how bad it is to do that compared to what we do. So like you have to understand that's where they are and you have to find a way to meet them there and still upgrade and improve their experience. But that's, and, and again, that's, because again, I, of course, since he had a machine in our house, I yeah. was pulling shots with my Akai scale, yeah. with every bit of knowledge I can possibly find talking through shots and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it, there is a problem of accessibility and ease of use Correct. versus your end product because if you, it's so much easier to achieve that, you know, that taste that you know, okay? You're okay with it. Yeah. Honestly, things that taste okay, they're pretty good. <laughs> they're not going to take the time to go away out our time right? because they know they can achieve that taste that they're okay with. Now, again, it's a, how can we get them to, wow, it tastes... XYZ exponentially better mm-hmm. for them to go through the extra steps. Again, Jordan, for example, a guy who was 30 seconds, I went from 30 seconds to 10 minutes now. What was those steps to finally get him there? It's something that you do subconsciously, really, because you're just living your life, slowly going to more coffee shops, slowly appreciating coffee a little bit more and more. But how did we get Jordan, how did we get all of us here from 30 second cups? to 10 minutes of our life. Yeah, I, wanna, I definitely wanna hear Jordan's response. I'm gonna just say this, and I think I wanna, I'm willing to bet that it's experience-based. Jordan had an experience that clicked and made him find that value. He's like, you're right, like, this this is how it, you can do it. Like, oh, this is it. Like, something would just click in you where you're like, okay, now I understand. Yeah. Um, I think the debate still comes down to do you, does it actually carry enough value for you to incorporate it? Like, what's the value? Do you want to have better tasting coffee forever or do you want to hold on to that 150 bucks for the scale, right? Or whatever it yeah. is, you know, for whoever. So, yeah. Was it, was it like an experience or? Yeah. I mean, basically from trying, <laughs> yeah, back from a Folgers cup, for instance, and throwing coffee mate to... Um, trying a really nice pour over at a coffee shop, yeah. for instance, whether that was Linnea's or Scout, most likely Scout. Um, and then also knowing, understanding those variables, which is voice from yourself mm-hmm. and just trying to dial in as specifically as possible to where it is a consistent cup of coffee. And I feel like that ever since you said that, like as long as you can get a consistent cup of coffee, find something that you like that's probably the most important thing yeah with your relationship with coffee and as you guys were mentioning weighing it out like i'm gonna have a little dinky scale Mm -hmm. and i feel like you've coached me through that just enough to where i can find uh a cup of coffee that i can get me through the rest of the day whether it's i mean i feel like i was looking more for the caffeine yeah portion for the longest time and I feel like you can get a, a, a cup of caffeine anywhere, but it, rather, regardless if you want that to taste better or not, you should put just a little bit more effort, effort right? And so I think the argument at the end of the day, bigger picture is like, it's almost a level of enlightenment. Yeah. Okay, this is something you do every single day for 30 seconds. Like, don't you want it to be better? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to enjoy more out of it or like get more out of it or take more away from it? And maybe you don't, but I think at some point in your life, like people do take that journey on different things. 
I would appreciate and obviously find a lot of value out of more people taking it from coffee, especially because when you truly consider what coffee is, it travels through so many hands and so many people. And like, there's a level of appreciation for that. Like, holy shit, this is an incredibly complicated thing that got here. It wasn't just the apple that I picked off of a tree, you know? Like, if you don't enjoy the apple that you just grabbed, that makes more sense to me compared to not enjoying your coffee as much as you possibly can. Now, not everybody's going to go on that journey or care for that journey, and they're like, that's where we just have to understand and, like, yeah. lower those expectations mm-hmm. um, or meet those people somewhere in the middle where, like, maybe they don't want to use a scale, but they're willing to use a scoop. That can give them a pretty good ballpark of how yeah. many ounces or grams they're using, right? So... That's what I really want to do. And Jordan and I have actually talked a lot about this too, is about like creating content that um, can provide that gap for people. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, we know everyone's not going to buy a $5,000 espresso machine and a $1,000 grinder and all the scales and tools. So what do we have in our kitchen that we can use to create some normalcy, some kind of consistency for people to replicate? Yeah. You know, because like even myself as like a home brewer, Brewing in the shop and bring it home is two different experiences because you've got all the equipment and then yeah. you, for me, I have like some of the equipment, yep. you know, so you still have to make things work sometimes. Like when I make a latte at home for, for Allie, um, I don't have a milk steamer, Yeah. you know, I don't have like a milk frother yeah. um, and I don't have an espresso machine. So how do I achieve something close to that? That's not overly difficult. So yeah, bridging that gap, but I think a level of enlightenment, like Jordan realized, like, why don't I upgrade this experience? Because I do it so much, and, like, I could probably enjoy it. And if he got to that point and did it and was like, nah, I don't enjoy it, he could just go back to his old ways, you know? So Yeah, yeah also, I was tired of paying that much money for a cup of coffee mm-hmm. when I could learn myself. <laughs> yeah. And as Chris mentioned, yeah, you kind of have to come to that moment of enlightenment like oh crap I can do this on my own and I have grown that appreciation in that process of pouring coffee to where I'm like okay this is fun doing it at home let's see this if I can do this behind bar <laughs> you yeah. know it's, it's so, yeah. all about willingness to like adapt and learn new things yes and change mm-hmm. yeah. yeah which you know like I said some people aren't so you you can try to find a compromise and maybe meet them there like the stubborn old man who's like i really like this dark roast but like maybe i'll try something medium dark oh it's still kind of good like this is fun i find those kind of journeys for people in coffee like very rewarding so yeah if you are a black dark roast coffee drinker or you're the vanilla latte drinker and i can get you to move down to a vanilla latte that and then no vanilla and then less milk and then no milk and then just black coffee like that's that's really cool do you think there is value though? So somebody asked, was it you? I don't know. And even I actually it might have even been my father. He asked because he saw me making a siphon coffee, mm-hmm. which is by far way more work yeah. than just doing <laughs> which a is V60 why I or pour over. <laughs> way more work. Okay. And I was doing siphons for the longest time because I got it. I really enjoy it. It looks fantastic. It yeah. just looks so like you're doing Science chemistry. Absolutely. Yeah, you're doing chemistry. chemistry. Yeah. yeah. And he asked me, he's like, so, like, because you're putting in all this extra effort, do you, like, think it tastes better? And I told him, no. <laughs> and I know it doesn't taste better because I did side-by-side comparisons. To mm-hmm. me, the V60 tastes better than a siphon. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just based on my taste preferences. Right. Okay, now, there's a dilemma here, though, because it's something that I put less effort into that tastes better, and I eventually switched to going to that route. Mm-hmm. 
how can we get people because I even find myself jumping down that hole of accessible and usability if the end product is to better to my liking and then that's just like developing taste well, that's, you're just you're always going to have a wide spectrum of products yeah. on the market you know yeah. from the Keurig to the siphon yeah you know um, that doesn't mean we can't take a look at the primary ingredient which is coffee and upgrade that yeah like that's what we used to do with Bang Ring. Yeah. You know, we had a Keurig, we had a Mr. Coffee Pot, and we'd run a th- our coffee through it to be like, wow, could people still get really good experiences with how they're brewing at home? Like we wanted, we weren't gonna just sit there and pull it through an espresso machine all day because that's not how people were primarily consuming our product, yeah. you know? So we wanna know, okay, if you are, if 50% of our customers are enjoying our coffee through a Keurig, how do we make it taste better on a Keurig? How do we assimilate to kind of that that brewing process? Is there anything that we can do? Um, so yeah, it's just about how much value you get out of it. There's always gonna be that wide spectrum. And I don't want everyone to be the same because then that creates a really monotonous, boring experience. And yeah. you know you know how versatile coffee can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would prefer that we definitely drink less dark roasted coffee, but it's a preference. As I think what's most important, as long as we are going through coffee, yeah at a responsible rate and paying, you know, responsible prices, that's what matters the most. Like Noah told me this. And, you know, I always had the mindset even before bangering, like, okay, dark roasted coffee's crap, light roasted coffee's where it's at. If you're not drinking that, you're less than. That's the perspective a lot of people can easily adapt. And bangering and Noah helped me change that perspective a lot. And he said, look, at the end of the day, if you're putting CBD in it, if you're putting syrups in it, it doesn't matter you're selling responsibly sourced coffee. It doesn't matter how it gets there. Like the farmer on the other side still gets the value. You can do whatever you want to it when it's over here. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's huge. So if someone can brew it like crap, as long as they're paying for good coffee, that's their prerogative. You yeah. know? If you find value out of only putting thirty seconds into this, that's that's all on you and like there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. There's shame if you're buying the coffee for, you know, twenty five cents a pound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I would, you know, have a problem, I would say. So it's more so letting go about like your expectations, wants and desires about it and like like I said, at the end of the day what should matter is it being fair. Yeah. In terms of pricing, mm-hmm. right? That's the ultimate, I guess, um discrepancy that we, we should fix. And then after that it's like, you know, you can you can enjoy alcohol just in a single cocktail, or you can go and get blackout drunk and enjoy it that way. Like yeah. you know, everyone has their own preference. Mm. To kind of wrap things up in regards to final words here, I definitely think today we talked a lot about, of course, like people who are new to coffee, our own experiences getting into coffee, and again trying to bridge this gap between people who might be too intimidated or just really curious and fascinated with coffee and how to get them to where we're all at right now, which is, you know, we're all at different points of our coffee journey, but we all want to find out more. So starting off with like, um, we'll actually DM here, like, what would you say if you had any final words to people who are, again, beginning on their coffee journey or like really just might not have too much information on coffee? What would you say is your way of getting them to where we're at today or little hips or tips or tricks so for me like if you're really into coffee and you like want to try it out if it's your like really your career or hobby and stuff and you still want to like try it just don't be ashamed like starting with starbucks or like like talk about wave like second wave second half go from bottom (laughs) that's how I, i started yeah. No ex- experience to to get like, accepted into coffee, like specialty. I have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So don't think like, oh, 
you don't have enough experience mean you can be in specialty mm-hmm. just do it and more research watch mm-hmm. a, a lot of videos yeah <laughs> a lot of videos tons <laughs> of YouTube of videos. Videos. Yeah. yeah I didn't have the internet the same way we do yeah. nowadays so uh, there's a ton of value in that for I mean any topic really especially coffee and we're too much of a letter art because end of the day we will it some people they just close the lid yeah and they don't even want to look yeah it's all the taste that's a reality mm-hmm. yep alright Jordan any words of advice <laughs> as you're carrying out your coffee journey here? sure I mean yeah just don't be afraid to ask some questions and um yeah be, be a sponge like a, a, adapt a little bit and also have fun with it like I, I have so much fun home brewing with my pour over that V60 especially with that brew guide like, yeah. I feel like that was such a fun thing to do and I've even showed some of my friends I, I brought my brewing equipment and educated them with what I know in coffee and show them you can have a good cup of coffee at your home it's funny it's so I, I typed that brew guide for him because I knew he was still getting into coffee and my approach is very <laughs> blunt and scientific and logistical <laughs> yeah. based so it's going to say steps 1 through 10 and they're going to be very precise on what yep. to do I've sent guides like that to Allie on how to make coffee and that's just not appealing. Yeah. That's just not appealing to her. So when Jordan was like talking about making better coffee, I was like, Oh, I'll send you some steps. I started <laughs> sending him copy and pasting all these steps that I already had written. And I was like, Oh, this is not fun. Yeah. Like he's looking for it's work. enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, for me, I obviously find a level of fun out of it. I don't have to add anything to it. It's to just, be technical. Yeah. It's just naturally intrinsically like fun. Oh my gosh. And so I just jazzed it up and like put a spin on it to be like, cheeky and fun mm-hmm. and you know it's good at disarming like that scare factor that exactly. people may have with it mm-hmm. to to kind of give people some clue of this brew guy because i don't want to give away your secrets here but i'll, I'll just list out some of the things that are really standing out to yeah. me uh p- step two put on a jam siri play ice cube today was a good day mm-hmm. obviously not traditional uh-huh. in regards yeah. to a lot of techniques but hey um, the next one is... Plays in my head every time I make coffee. I'm like, this <laughs> so is going to be it right here. This coffee's uh-huh. going to make it a good day. We also have step five. Pro pimp tip, which I didn't know. Yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we're pimps out Pro here. Pimp tip. Next level. Pour mm-hmm. some hot water into your cup to keep that shit warm and cozy while you brew. <laughs> warm and cozy. Yep, Take care of it. Don't I, let it sit there cold. And again, there's only... Uh, Nine steps, but man, there's there's some real good gems in this. Some colorful yeah. language in yeah. there. Yeah. And I, I feel like, yeah, you definitely made that to cater to myself. Mm-hmm. And I follow that brew guide. Like, I mean, I kind of have my steps in my head and how I do it. And I've been able to share that just within my, my Instagram and got to brew for people and which also sparked interest in them to buy their own home brewing equipment. I've done that to like three at least three people like that i follow or that i'm friends with and expanding their mind on uh, just specialty coffee and better yeah. and coffee and jordan's good at doing that naturally like disarming it having fun like being very approachable and personable and those aren't necessarily my strengths you know like i said <laughs> the way that i would write a brew guide so like i knew from my experience as a barista how do i get him to get the most out of this experience i had to tailor it to him mm-hmm. um and yeah so it's it's tough to create just any type of content that's tailored to every individual because you can't you can only do you know groups of people but yeah disarming it's really huge and in, in increasing the approachability mm-hmm. for sure and so yeah that was that was instrumental i definitely have to write some more that like was that. yeah the end of april too and I, I still make my coffee that like that in late october yeah. <laughs> and it's it's yeah 
I look forward to it every time I make coffee. All right, and then Chris, final word, anything? Besides your um, beautiful brew guide, of course. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> when is that getting published? <laughs> I think um, I think when you want to get into anything, you need some kind of like mentor. Yeah. I think I think that's probably one of the most valuable ways to learn is somebody that can tell it to you if you learn that way or show it to you if you learn that way um, or write it down for you in a way that you would understand. Sure. Um, you need some kind of mentor. Um, and that's where like asking questions comes in handy. It's, mm-hmm. it's a difficult thing to do in coffee. Unfortunately, there's a million questions to answer, but sometimes you only need one and that experienced barista perhaps can be the one to guide you. Um, you know, that was my job with Jordan. Like he wanted to make coffee better and I was like, okay, as, as an experienced barista, how do I tailor that experience to you in a way that I know you can enjoy it? Because I know you. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, what you do with customers. Yeah. Um, but I would say if you're, if you're wanting to get into coffee, pursue, your, pursue a passion for it. If you just want to increase your knowledge of it, yeah, just start somewhere that you have the most interest. And find somebody that shares that interest with you. Whether it's a friend, whether it's a mentor, whether it's somebody who's a content creator. I think all those things are huge. Um, because there's just so much to know about any given topic and somebody's going to be approaching it completely different than you are you know or even very similar to you are so you're like oh this resonates with me yeah and you learn and take it in better mm-hmm. you know if you taught me coffee or sean taught me coffee like yeah. i would have two different experiences, experiences. right and yeah. those will stick with me in different ways mm-hmm. um so i think that's huge like find somebody find some kind of circle some kind of group that feels familiar and safe and comfortable and like get involved Get, get some questions out there. Um, I, it wasn't easy for me to get involved with any like barista communities, but where I found it was different like professionals in the industry where I almost wanted to strive to be like them. Mm-hmm. So I automatically respected their opinions. What they had to say was interesting. I could stay really hooked and enticed when I was you know listening to podcasts or watching videos, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, find out like what your niche is. Yeah. And if you're like roasting is a very broad topic, you want to come up and create cool coffees. All right, we'll find somebody who's already doing that and like try and connect to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, what's cool in this day and age is that with any given topic, there are people who are doing that. Yeah. So like you don't have to go to an encyclopedia and look up how to roast coffee. You can find someone who's doing it and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where you're going to get the most value is like the real world experience. Awesome. Well, again, thank you guys. Wait, so, wait, wait, what so are yours? Much. What? What are yours? yours. Oh, my. Yeah. You can't just oh, excuse my yourself. <laughs> my, yeah, well, I would say definitely, like, anything that I can say, especially from my own experience, is, yeah, don't be afraid to be a little bit more like Jordan and take that leap of faith. And and hopefully, and I swear to you, majority of the time, you're going to be welcomed. You yeah. know? I, I hope and pray that, again, if you do take that jump, you are welcomed. And if not, don't let that discourage you keep trying keep asking i would also say though if a barista looks busy probably that's not the time to ask you know (laughs) but chill out hopefully once this pandemic's over you know you can chill out wait for a good time then go back up and be like hey this was really really good like what are you guys serving that's a great way to spark a conversation like if the barista is not like kind of stoked to hear that they serve you a great cup of coffee, then maybe there's something wrong with them. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, you know, it's it's something nice to hear on their side, and I'm sure they'll love to talk to you. Mm-hmm. For a quick anecdote, when I was visiting Portland and Seattle for my 21st birthday, I 
of course, didn't know too much because I wanted to go in with a very open sense of like what shops I want to visit. And I went to the first time I was in Portland or the first time I was in Seattle, the first shop I went to, I went to the people behind the counter, the baristas, and I was like, hey, I'm here for like my 21st birthday. Uh, I work in a shop down, you know, in California, but is there anywhere that I must try or need to see places? Mm-hmm. And in the baristas, um, I, I think it's just literally called Good Coffee. Good oh, Coffee. Good Coffee, yeah. Yep. It, yeah, in Portland, right? Yeah. And a shout out to them because the baristas behind the bar stopped what they were doing immediately, wrote out a list, mm. and not just a list, explained, uh, and it was, there was probably like eight different shops on that list, explained to me why they, they put that on the list, mm. what to expect at each place, cool. and, and really like, um, just really define like, wow, this is really welcoming. This is the coffee culture that I hope yeah. gets spread around because it made my trip. And, and the beautiful part of it is, about that is every shop that I visited on that list, and I went to every single shop, by the way, nice. on that list, the baristas treated me. I was like, hey, the baristas from Good Coffee sent me here. And they were like, that's awesome. They're like, hey, um, what else is on the list? And that sparked another conversation. Nice. So yeah. it was just one of those things. Conversation and quick shout out to Kova Coffee, the barista around the bar, give me a free bag of coffee because of it. Wow. And and I made sure to return to first good coffee as well as Kova coffee with a different bag of coffee that I visited. So just to kind of sh- share the love, spread the love. But yeah. nice. again, if if you don't believe me, go try it yourself. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. So, and again, thank you guys again. I think that's my my final word on this topic. And uh, again, huge shout out to the guys at Little Lunch Coffee. Of course, Chris and Jordan, thank you for being here. Thanks, huge guys. shout out to DM for coming out here and uh, sitting down. And uh, really excited to see what DM has in store and planned for the shop that she will eventually open up. So Soon, but not soon. Yeah, soon, but not soon. <laughs> but for, for all of those of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, please stay up to date on our Instagram at The Occasional Barista. We'll always be posting whenever we have new, um, of course, this podcast as well as future podcasts. We have some really exciting guests coming up, so please stay tuned. And again, also check us out on YouTube. We'll be posting the podcast as well, uh, as well as on YouTube at The Occasional Barista. So everyone, please stay safe out there and have a good rest of your day.